any better, I'd be dangerous. <laughs> um, so here we are, the last major of 2021. Uh, and uh, so welcome to Man and Stand listeners and uh, welcome to this uh, US, uh, US Open, this British Open preview show. Tell me, Matt, do you call it the Open or the British Open? What do you sort of call it? Oh, I did a half cringe when you said the British Open then. Um, yeah. The Open Championship, surely. The Open Championship. Okay, from here on in, that is just what we'll call it. Um, my humble apologies. This antipode and, uh, has, no, uh, has no appreciation. So the Open Championship, uh, the last major of the year. Um, very exciting um, and, and really looking forward to this. Um, you, you, Matt, looking forward to it? Yeah, absolutely. Before we start, though, I must um, make a belated congratulations call for you um, and your fellow Antipodean, um, Cam Davis, um, a couple of weeks ago. I wasn't on the show last week. I apologise for that, especially after a winner. But fair play, a three-figure winner is not an easy thing to come by. So many congratulations. And I, I heard you enjoyed a little bit of it last week on the show. Thanks, mate. Yeah, thanks. I mean, that's great for the show. It's our first triple digits winner, isn't it? So um, it's great for Man in the Stand. We've, um, you know, we've pulled in some good winners this year, you and I combined. And uh, and that um, that was nice because, as you know, uh, having to suffer through my um, in my previews, I have been on that guy for <laughs> yeah. a long time, you know. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. I think it's an example of kind of what, what you do and what we try and do is that you can you can hit a guy four or five times. That's absolutely fine. If he comes through, like you're you're way ahead of him, aren't you? And he's one of those players that has more talent than his price has said. And you've said that multiple times. You've backed him at many prices in three figures. And it yeah. just shows that sometimes if you do get a get an eye like he did and a recognition of a golfer who you think is just better than a price, it's absolutely worth following. Um, I was uh, watching a little bit of it when he won, and all I was thinking was, next time Craig puts up Bernd Wiesberger, I'm getting in on it. I'm not missing out on the European Tour one. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, it's funny you should say that name. We'll, we'll talk about him a little bit later on, shall we? <laughs> I thought you might. I thought you might. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, thanks, Matt. Um it was great. Uh, yeah, you were right in what you say. Uh, and you've got a few of them too. I know that you, um, you know, see the potential on it and, and try and, and try and be ahead of the market. And Cam Davis for me was just, uh, I just saw him as a really talented young player, a lot of potential, but just through, through good positions away a few times. And actually, I was getting to the end of my rope with him. It was kind of uh, that Sam Burns thing all over again. And, and the one thing I said to myself at the beginning of this year, I said, do not get off players that you see um, as as having potential. Uh, because I've done, I've made that mistake in the past, you know. And, uh, and and this time I thought, no, no, just stick with him. He, he's, he's getting there. Uh, so, yeah, that was really, really satisfying um, because it – it validates kind of what you, you know. You think, okay, maybe I can see something. You maybe I'm not as stupid as I look. You know, there, there's a there's a sort of a, a method to my madness. So, yep, I'm really happy with that. It's great for, as I say, it's great for us, and and uh, and it's great for the listeners. And I, you know, I hope that we can sort of show that we can, you know, it, for because as I said to uh, Jamie on the show last week as well, you know, I, 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 I'm I'm trying to I'm doing the show uh, with with you. And you 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 provide a sort of a really great analysis and stats sort of side of it for the guy that thinks like that, and uh, and you come at it from you know some some really some really compelling sort of um, areas in terms of all the research you do into it. 
Um, whereas I say, come, I come at it more from, oh, I like the way this guy's looking. He's looking better and, and so on and so forth. And, and either way, um, you know, as I say, you've, you've, you've trucked in some really great winners this year. And I've, and that was a really good result for me after quite a, quite a barren run. So it's nice to kind of have those, I guess, um, have those kind of methods validated. And, and what I was going to say was it doesn't, I, I don't think you should have to put pots and pots of money on golf. You know, if you even if you just have a small amount in each way and have a bit of an enjoyment across four days and you, well, well, isn't that the kind of, you know, isn't that the way, isn't that nice that to happen? Yeah, definitely. I think what, what I like about the golfers that you pick, Craig, is that they're always speculative to some regard, but there's always a reasoning behind it. And like you say, you've come, golf betting is like you say you don't need a lot of money to make a reasonable amount and you don't have to be right that often to make a profit golf betting which we've proven in in being able to hit some winners but yeah i think there's always value in chasing those odds and i'm sure for the vast majority of people listening to the show the golf betting is a form of entertainment for us isn't it so i yeah. think there's lots of value in trying to go with those five pound ten pound just the the smaller ones on those longer odds players that are fun to watch um, and really rewarding when you get them right yeah, yeah, that's right. Because it's hard to. This is hard to do. You know, this is hard, hard to get these. There's big fields, everything. You know, there's all sorts of things that can go wrong. Um, but um, you know, occasionally they come through, or they come through at a place, and you get a nice place return. Anyway, mm-hmm. so let's move on uh, th- this week um, to the to the to the Open Championship. Let's just um, go back uh, and look at what we've had so far in terms of the majors. So Hideki Matsuyama. Um, a deserved Masters champion, um, and then Phil Mickelson rolls back the clock and uh, and, and pulls out a fantastic um, PGA Championship at Kiwa Island. Uh, just what well, only feels like the week before last or something like that. John Rahm um, has a, an absolutely uh, fantastic display at the US Open. It was last month, but it doesn't feel that long ago. And uh, and so now here we are at the fourth um, major on the on, on the calendar. Where does this major sort of rank for you Matt as an Englishman I mean I'm, I'm at odds with my Englishness after the weekend Craig but um, <laughs> there we are and um, we'll get onto that another story but yeah. uh, the Open Championship I always in terms of enjoyment it's right up there um, however in terms of being confident as a betting heat it's not that high um, I find it really hard to bet at to be completely honest um, just because there isn't uh, a great deal of of stats that you can carry over with any great confidence um, because a lot of the stats that and the stats profiles that players cultivate on the PGA Tour especially are made in in conditions and golf courses that are about as far away as you can get from Royal St George's um, Lynx Golf. So I find it hard in that regard to try and correlate stats like approach play and greens in reg, which are just a completely different kettle of fish than what it's going to be to hit greens in regulation and... Um, sandwich this week so I find it hard in that regard I think it's a nice puzzle to have it's absolutely a, a breath of fresh air isn't it to get the the elite of the, of the golfing world over here to play some links golf and to see how their their games can take to it um I think it's one for your if not course history then tournament history buffs I think more than virtually any other tournament of the year course history here matters or open history here matters and being able to have proven to have experience so it's fascinating puzzle i always really enjoy it mainly because it's on telly all of the time you've got ridiculous amounts of coverage so you can really just embrace it and watch as much golf as possible and i'm sure i'll have a good week win or lose on the band 
yeah, that's really interesting what you say, Matt, about um, as you, I, I thought about you on that because this is the first one of these we've done together and and, and we usually do the PGA Tour together. That's obviously, you know, the thing that we concentrate on. And as you just said, it is so um, prevalent, all the stats and figures and, and, uh, and everything at your fingertips on the PGA Tour. And, and most of those courses are, you know, a certain sort of, uh, there's sort of like three or four sort of types of design, and so you can you can be quite um, uh, you can rely quite heavily on 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 the on the stats and figures in terms of approach play and and accuracy and and scrambling and and, and putting and what have you. Um, this, as you say, I, you kind of throw your stats book kind of out the window at this tournament, really, don't you? Because and I think you're right. I I I very much. Um, have gone on my picks are very much on on past open performance and and on open kind of the the golf style that suits open sort of um, golf courses links sandy golf courses so I, I yeah I wondered whether you were going to have a have a headache kind of trying to run your sort of models on a on a on a course that um, as Jack Nicholas um, inter- interestingly I heard today. Many years ago, Jack Nicholas was asked about this course, this particular Royal St. George's course, and he said, this is the only golf course where you can hit it down the middle of the fairway and still lose the ball. You know? <laughs> um, yeah. So um, he, he's not a, he, he is, it's fair to say Jack wasn't a big fan of this course because it is a very quirky course where you hit one side of a fairway um, hillock or mound or whatever you want to call knoll, you hit one side of that and it can fire off into long, wispy, kind of treacherous rough. And you hit the other side of that hillock uh, or knoll, um, you know, one foot to the other side of that and you roll up further and, and, got, and get into a premium position on the fairway. Ian Poulter is also another guy that says this course kind of does his head in a little bit because you, it, there is a lot of the elements of the gods about this particular course. Yeah, I think what hopefully will be good about this week is that we'll see shots that we won't see for the rest of the year. Um, I love the bunker in at Royal St. George's. I think it's fantastic. Um, and I think it's what sometimes what the PGA Tour is missing in, in bunkers being true hazards. And actually, they're going to cost you shots. You've got players on the tee on a par three screaming, get in the bunker if they think it's going into the rough. That's... I guess not what bunkers were invented for, right? They should make life more difficult for a golfer. So I love the bunker in here. You've got the, there's the 40 yard tall one, isn't there? I can't remember what number hall it's on. Um, but yeah. that, that's a great bunker to have just as a as a, a penalty off the tee. But you've got to play different shots and you may have to chip out sideways from bunkers because a lot of them have those really steep faces. Um, I was reading a transcript of an interview with Danny Willett um, after one of his practice rounds, um, there was a couple of others that mentioned the same thing. And they mentioned the rough being really, really nasty this week, which I thought was quite interesting. It's not what you think of when you think of the Open. Um, no. And players losing the ball just off the, like, 10, 15 yards off the fairway, and it just been impossible to hit out of, which I thought was quite interesting, particularly if we get baked out green. It's meant to be nice over the weekend. If they dry out and the, that rough is as lush as they're saying, um, it could make a really interesting um, tournament, I think, and just players having to play very, very different shots. And it made me think about those linksy style games that are going to come into play, rolling the ball onto the green and bouncing it onto the green rather than being able to just fly it and pin eye like you would at the John Deere last week, for example. I guess Royal St. George's must be like that because we've had 
what can be said is pretty wet summer, haven't we? So yeah. I, I, I guess the the rough at, at at Royal St George's has got very lush and very thick because you know the conditions, the weather conditions in the UK and Ireland over the last what two months have been warm but wet, haven't they? So um, I, I I guess when Daly Willett's saying that, I mean it's you know as you said, generally open conditions are sort of like that tall kind of um, thin fescue kind of rough where you can you know it might be it might be long but it's a bit like hey you know you, you can sort of chop it out um, without too much difficulty as long as it's sitting okay uh, you know there's still it's still treacherous and it's still tough but listening to what you just said about what Willett said then that sounds like it's a whole other it's got it sounds like it's got um, much more dense and thicker maybe due to the sort of the wet um, sort of lush conditions that we've been having lately, I guess. Yeah, very possibly. There was a few other players that made reference to it, not necessarily in the same way as Willett did, but in players having lost their ball, having put it in the rough right off the tee, which is wow. almost unheard of, um, yeah. really. So I think it's interesting. I really do, especially with there's a couple of greens, isn't there, where they've got drop-off to out of bounds over the back and things like that. And if you are in the rough, not being able to control your golf ball and getting a greenside bunker, it could be a different story than, than at most golf courses. So I'm always excited. I always spend much more time at majors reading transcripts and interviews and just seeing what the players are saying. Um, and they're all kind of reflecting on it actually being a bit of a tricky proposition. Well, I looked at the weather forecast um, for this week uh, earlier today, and I've still got it here. Um, so it actually looks quite good. The only thing is the wind gets up a little bit. Um, uh, so Thursday, um, uh, there's very low per ch chance of rain, so 20% chance of precipitation, humidity 75%, and wind, wind about 23 kilometres an hour and sort of partially cloudy all day. Same pretty much goes for the um, same case on Friday. Um, Saturday, uh, wind sort of gets up a little bit more. Um, uh, once again, um, you know, scattered, um, scattered cloud and and sunshine, and and Sunday um, gets back down again. So really, I mean, there's, uh, I mean, this, you know, often at the open, depending what side of the tee you draw you're on, if you know, you might you might get benign conditions in the afternoon, and it might blow a gale in the, uh, sorry, benign conditions in the morning, blow a gale in the afternoon. It doesn't look so far what you see with this is that that is going to it looks like it's going to be fairly fine and fair for the for the entire field for the across the four days there is a little bit as i say the wind is not exactly what you call low you know ranging between about 23 and 26 kilometers an hour so there you know there is a bit of blow in it so you you probably want to look for players that can handle a bit of wind but in terms of um uh, sort of outrageous advantages or, or downpours it doesn't look like there's going to be that anyway matt yeah i did the same i kept a bit of an eye out for a draw bias particularly in just in conditions, particularly wind, um, and it's meant to be sunny, but like you say, it seems to be a steady breeze. I was looking mm. at about 12 miles an hour, which is, it, it's no puff of air. There's enough there to cause cause players problems, but there doesn't seem to be any great MPM draws on Thursday and Friday anyway. Um, obviously, that is subject to change. We're still a couple of days away. I will definitely be keeping an eye out for um, a few first-round leader bets um, closer to Wednesday evening, really, and just seeing if there has been any change, particularly morning to afternoon on when on Thursday, to look at getting some first round leader bets just for the fun of it, really. But there doesn't seem to be any great bias, which is quite nice, really. It leaves it a nice open playing field, doesn't it? It does. It does. Um, okay, let's move on now to the actual venue itself. So Royal St George's Sandwich, Kent, in England. 
It's a par 70, 7,206 yards. So, you know, it, it's distance is not an issue here. Um, it, it's really, um, you know, a, a bit of a ball striker's course. Um, you know, uh, the, um, you know, past winners have included Darren Clark with that famous victory um, and uh, at the last rotation that this was on and uh, and obviously the um, the time before that, uh, a rank outsider and American Ben Curtis, who, who was known as a, a ball striker himself. So, you know, whether you know, we'll come through to our picks in a while, but, um, you know, you, you certainly wouldn't need um, any monsters off the tee around here. It's going to be more about where you put the ball and, and how you get it up and down around the greens. Um, would you agree with that, Matt? Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't think driving distance is of much... Um, I've not come to much um, around driving distance at all. I think it is handy to be able to be accurate off the tee and keep it in play. But I was, again, reading some transcripts and things. The fairways aren't that narrow at all. I think it's about, it's very much a, a second shot golf course, but in a way that it isn't normally. It's not just about your approach play to your peak die designs. It's going to be about crafting that second shot based on where the pin location is on a specific day. So... I've not really put much into that. I've gone much more heavily weighted towards around the green game um, and putting, because I think everyone's going to miss greens with the way that the contours and things work at any open, never mind um, Royal St. George's. You're going to have to get up and down. Um, It was interesting, actually. I was watching the Renaissance Club um, a little bit on Saturday morning, um, or Friday morning at some point anyway, and I was watching Colin Morikawa. And as you know, I'm an enormous fan of Colin Morikawa. Found absolutely fascinating was one he wasn't hitting his irons well. Now he's come out and said he, he, they weren't coming coming right off the turf or something like that in an interview today. But what I found even more interesting was that every time he got around the green and he had to play uh, anywhere from like thirty yards and in and to use the use the terrain around him, he just couldn't do it. I don't know what was going on, but he kept leaving himself twenty feet for par, and that's not very Colin Morikawa. He's not a wizard around the greens by any stretch. But that was his first taste of Lynx golf. And it just shows that experience can be an enormous factor here. Because in the same day, I was watching Tyrrell Hatton, who just played using the ground help much, much more and just played a couple of absolute worldies. Now, that might be me being biased and just seeing a couple of examples of shots. But I think that might be representative of the the different sort of game that can succeed round course. So, yeah, much more around the green and sort of even a bit of putting, to be honest. Um, I think yeah, it'll be quite I- important this week. Yeah, I don't think you're being uh, I don't think you're being biased at all and I'm actually with you. I we're heading in the same direction I think in terms of our, our selections because I I also am going for golfers that are proven at links. I don't really care about what they've done, you know, this year in the PGA Tour. I don't really care about um uh, about rankings or, or or stats. I care about can they play Lynx golf um, and are they proven at it? And have they got good hands around the green? That is my um, m- my sort of, I guess, my jumping off point with my, my selections this week. So I, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm going in the same direction as you. And actually, if you look at the last 10 winners at, on the PGA, on the, at the Open Championship, they all scream the same thing. Um, you know, players that can craft shots that are good with their hands are good putters, are, uh, you know, uh, uh, are everything we've just talked about. Let's go back through them. 2019, the defending Open champion, because we missed it last year due to COVID, Shane Lowry, 
who's been playing well lately, and uh, and I, uh, I I really I, I would I, I don't uh, I don't hate Shane Larry uh, uh, defending giving a stout defence of his title this year at all. Um, so 2019 Shane Lowry, um, 2018 Francesco Molinari. Yeah, we we all know how he was in that purple patch and how good he can be around the greens. Um, 2017 Jordan Spieth, an absolute maestro around the greens. Uh, 2016 Henrik Stenson. That tournament, Matt absolutely broke my heart. I was on Phil Mickelson at that tournament and I watched <laughs> Phil Mickelson jump out of the front on the gate. I think on the first day he shot a 63 and I thought, oh, this is over. You know, he, he was seven, I think he was six or seven shots clear of the field on the first round. And I thought, oh, this is great. Phil's just going to do this for three days and it'll be great. And over the course of the next three, four days, I watched Henrik Svensson real Phil until the Sunday where he just started sinking them from the other side of the planet. Um, he was sinking them from everywhere, and uh, I, I was just um, on my knees uh, in the lounge. Just, just yeah, it was terrible. It was uh, he. Uh, I watched basically Phil go from undecidable, um, you know, a victor, you know, undeniable victory to to watching Henrik just kill him. So that was that was heartbreaking for me. Um, Zach Johnson, two thousand and fifteen, um, once again a, a supreme ball striker and uh, and putter. Um, two thousand and fourteen, Roy McIlroy. We know what he can do and how talented he is when he gets the bit between his teeth. Um, Phil Mickelson, um, well, yeah, his short game speaks for itself. Ernie Els uh, was always a great um, ball striker. Darren Clark, always a very talented player, and Louis Eustazen, who's still in the game. This was in two thousand and ten. This is I've gone back to two thousand and ten here. Uh, he won uh, his only major championship uh, and it was an open championship and he's in the form of his life again I mean what are we now 12 years later or 11 years later you, you wouldn't you wouldn't say Louis Eustace is a forlorn hope in this championship at all so those there's your role of honor of past sort of um, 10 years of, of, of open champions and uh, they all say one thing they're all good on the greens all of those guys um, uh, so yeah I, I think um, and they're all proven um, links players as well so um any one of those sort of guys or that role of honour that sort of speaks to you, Matt, in terms of uh, or, or, or kind of um, any of those sort of guys that you think are um, sort of like a, a pointer to guys for this particular year? Yeah, I mean, funny you should mention the one at Troon. Um, that was just a remarkable golf tournament, wasn't it? I mean, I had absolutely no interest in either of Mickelson or Stenson, but yeah, it was just quite something to watch. Two golfers finish, what, 14 shots clear, were they? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Something silly, but yeah, excellent. Um, I think, I mean, Louis is the obvious one, isn't he? Of the ones you mentioned, just he's in excellent form in majors, like, and he just keeps popping up. Unfortunately, I think his price has absolutely accounted for that fact. And to be honest, he's priced far lower than than golfers that are just better players than him. And, and I know he turns up in majors, and we can talk about major mentality, cracking under the pressure, and just being there. And then there's the, the place value with Louis as well, isn't there, I think? And I think that's sometimes what the bookies are accounting for. But he's a best price 35. General's not much more than 28s from what I can see um, on odds check. And that's just a silly price for me. Um, to be priced just a smidge short than... Dan Bryson and Morikawa and Patrick Reed even I think is is a little bit of an a, a exaggerated reaction from the bookies after Louis's last couple of major performances. Understandable, but I mean, if he wins at that price, he's welcome to it. To be honest, um, I think he's a decent a decent little signpost, and I might come on to a, a South African of my own who's in a 
if not a similar mold, hopefully to be an inspire inspiration. Um, sorry, by Louis' performances, but I just think the bookies have caught up with Louis Eustace and and then some. Yeah, I mean, he's what is he five or six times second at major championships? So I mean, he's got form for for you know for major championships, no doubt. And uh, and he's you know is is ranking on the putting this year in terms of putting stats. He's he's comfortably inside the top five in putting stats this year. Yeah. He has, but then Brooks Kepka's eighteen to one. You're only losing what ten points to back Brooks instead of Louis. That doesn't sit quite right with me. No, no, that's a point well made. All right, I am now uh, going to throw it over to you, Matt, and uh, I want you to sort of uh, give us a bit of a uh, a bit of a run up as to who you like and why. And if you put out a certain person who I think you are, we are going to have a bit of an intervention. <laughs> um... I mean, I've got two names in my head. I think we're definitely going to be on this one, so I'll get him out of the way first. Um, uh, Mr. Hatton, are we on? Okay. So your first pick is Tyrrell Hatton. It is Tyrrell Hatton. Um, okay. I think Tyrrell Hatton is probably my favourite bet of this week, um, just because I think he had a nice little warm-up at the at the Scottish. He was staying on strong at the end, um, flying down those last couple of furlongs. Obviously, he didn't really get that close showed enough for me to feel confident about him this week. Um, he's got links form for days, hasn't he? He's won a couple of um, Alfred Dunnells. Um, obviously, that covers uh, Carnoustie and St Andrews. Um, and Kings Barnes up in Scotland won a couple of those. He's won in Abu Dhabi, where it's plenty windy, which has a little bit of crossover for links form. And then he's got an assortment of... He's had a couple of top sixes. He was sixth in that open at Troon, that I. Stenson won. He was also sixth, um, I think, at Port Rush as well. Um, he's got a second at Castle Stewart, a fourth at County Down and Royal Aberdeen. Like He's just got so much form in the right places. And truth be told, he is a little bit skinny um, for my liking, but I just I was always going to back him. If he was anywhere close to this price, I, I, I've always, I always was going to back him. So he rates out well for the course. He's a very good putter. He's not been a good putter in the last six months. So that puts me off a tiny bit, but... I know that Tyrrell Hatton is a good putter and I know that when he feels confident, hopefully he'll put well. But he's excellent around the greens. He's got a lovely touch. Um, and actually, he's been hitting his irons really well. He's 14th in the world um, in the last six months in a pro. Factored that really, really heavily in. It's always nice to have, isn't it, hitting those irons well. Um, yeah. And he's got the open form I was looking for. Uh, his last four starts in the open, he's come sixth and fifth. Um, and there's a 51 and a miscut in there too. But... I was reading some stats, some it's silly, like 14 of the last 15 open winners have had a previous top 10 at some point. So I've tried to weight it nicely towards having previous proven experience in opens. Um, and he also won last time he was in England, I believe. it Was Was it Wentworth he won earlier in the year? Yes, it, yes, was, it was, I think. Yeah. Um, so he obviously, he feels comfortable. He's one of those that has gone abroad and done really well on the PGA Tour without really breaking through as an elite out there. But now when he comes back, I feel like he's got that confidence of this is where I'm really good at golf. It's back on the, back where I'm from and I feel confident with it. So yeah, um, I find quite fancy Hatton um, this week. He's first one off my rank. Okay. Number two um, is one that I may hear snorts of derision about, um, and it is Mr. Tony Fino. No, no, don't, Matt, don't do it. Don't I've, I've do tried it. not back him. Great, I really have. I've been looking for the last, since I decided I was probably going to back him yesterday, I've been just double-checking my numbers, <laughs> that I'm really going to back Tony Fino. But actually, I was thinking, I think he's now more than an okay price to get in on, because actually, he's really good at the Open. 
Um, I've seen absolutely no reason to back him. In the last four years, he's got two top tens, one of which was third um, in the last running of the Open. He's also got a 27th and an 18th, so he just plays consistently well. He's clearly comfortable with this style of golf, which, I'll be honest, when I sat down to do my research, I didn't think of him as an open golfer, but he's shown over a period of four years that actually he's got some really nice open form, um, and he rates out well. Tony Finau is excellent around the greens. Yes, they might not be the same greens that he's going to come into contact with here or the same even around the green complexes, but he is good around the greens. He's got a lovely touch. His irons have been on form. He hits plenty of greens. Yes, not an amazing putter. Maybe a bit of a change in green type might help him, but he's just a great player. And I realised that I say this with some... <laughs> I am a bit hypocritical because I've told you before I'd never back him, but he's almost 50 or one. That's a long price considering the amount of golfers that are beneath him. Matt Fitzpatrick should never be for a major, a shorter price than Tony Fino. I can't have it, despite his performance at the Renaissance Club. He probably wins now and makes me look silly. But I think Tony Fino's a great bet at anywhere close to 50-1. to I've taken 45s for a few extra places. Um, I just think he's a great bet. And I am unapologetic about being on Team Milton this week. <laughs> All right, mate. All right, I'll, uh, you've made your case, in, in, and uh, who am I to say? Uh, who am I to say no? I just made it just tickled me when the when you sort of made it, uh, and uh, you alluded to it uh, a couple of days ago on Twitter. I I just laughed and took my head and thought, no, don't. But you know, yeah. I mean, who who's to say? Because as you say, he actually has played well at the Opens before, and um, I mean, God, if he was to rock up and win. Everyone would be thrilled for him. So, uh, and I know you would be especially thrilled for him at forty-five to one. So, good luck to you. Um, and uh, it, it's not the most ridiculous bet in the world because um, I've got that. So, uh, so carry on, mate. <laughs> Cheers. Um, I'll be honest. I did battle with that Tony bet for a long time, but <laughs> you now, did. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, if I have to die on my sword, I have to die on my sword, and I won't back him again. But there we are, Tony Finau this week. Um, my third one this week, I said on Twitter before, um, just early tonight, this is probably the most boring betting card I've ever come up with because I've just got a cluster around the sort of the 40, 45 to 1, 33s, sort of that sort of price. Um, and the next one's Patrick Reed. Ah, and hey, hey, hey. The disrespect yeah. for Patrick Reed. I've said this before and I've been wrong before, but I've also been right before. Um, and Patrick Reed is 40 to 1 at a golf course where you need to be excellent really good around the greens and he is excellent at both um he's top five on tour around the greens he's we know what he's like with the, with the putter in hand and yeah. yes it's been hit and miss but if you're going to win an open you're going to have to be hit and he hits more often than not with the putter um he's got sneaky good open form too um he's got that top 10 that you really need it was a 10th but there we go um he's also had a 12th a 28th and a 20th in his last five years at the Open, which I don't think is to be sniffed at at all. And I think he's one of the American golfers that that their game should um, much more fit um, an Open-style layout. He's not the longest off the tee, which he doesn't need to be here. Um, and I just think if the wind gets up, I'm confident with that too. It's just a, one of those that I thought was a misprice. Then I delved a bit into the figures and I think his course makes out really well for the game too. Um, and if I could be sitting around, and I don't just want to quote other golfers um, because they'll end up winning and making me look silly. Um, but Patrick Reed is virtually an identical price, if not longer than Paul Casey and Tommy Fleetwood, to name a couple. And for me, it's not quite right. Um, and I know Paul Casey I've backed a lot of times before, but win equity-wise... Are you telling me Casey's more likely to win this event than Patrick Reed? I find that very hard to believe. Mm. Um, same for Tommy. 
for that matter. Um, but I'm going to stop naming other golfers now because they'll probably win it, like I say, and make me look daft. But I'm more than happy to take 40 to 1 about Patrick Reed. Mm-hmm. Uh, Slightly less places. It's not one of the bookies that's got like 11 or 12 or anything daft. But yeah, 40 to 1 Patrick Reed is mm-hmm. mine. One. Mm-hmm. How many golfers am I on? I'm going to try and stick to six because I wanted to back everyone again. That's three. That's three. Oh, that's all right. We can do three more. Nice. Yeah. Um, we're going to go all the way down the bottom now. 300 to 1 shot. Um, and it's Joel Damon. I like Joel Damon. Um, I like Joel Damon in the wind. He won at um, Corrales Punta Cana, which was more than windy. So if the wind does get up, I quite like that. Now, I absolutely understand that was in a field. Nowhere near the strength of this one. But he's not long off the tee. Very similar to Reed, but he is accurate. He's top 25 on touring, driving accuracy, I think. So hopefully he can stick it in the right spots off the tee. Um, and his approach play has been sneaky good. As is his around the green game, he's a good chipper of the ball. Um, and he's had a miscut in his only appearance at the Open. So that doesn't necessarily fit in with the narrative I was going for. But at 300 to 1, 250 is maybe general. Um, I think that's more than factored in. Um, yeah, quite nicely. So... I like Joel Damon. I like that he's trending because his stats for this 30 days are much better than the ones for three months and the three months are better than the six months. Um, so he's trending in the right direction. I've, I'm happy to have a stab and he played really quite well at the PGA Championship, I think it was, um, which which impressed me enough to to give him a shout um, at the Open as a longer odds shout. Mm-hmm. That's all in the bag. Let's go with, let's go with Jordan Spieth because I just can't quit him apparently. Jordan Spieth is my next golfer. Um, he's one that I just think he's he comes out top in models for this. And the stats that I looked at, he's really consistent. Bar John Ram, who's on fire, obviously. He's not played for a while, which makes me a little bit nervous. But you know what a rip he was on from um, whenever it was. Um, the worst management of Phoenix on um, until he won. Um, he's... Top five in approach play on tour. We know what he's like around the greens. He's got his air, uh, whether it's magic beans or just magic. I'm not sure with Jordan Spieth, but I want to be on his side um, in an open championship. You only have to remember Birkdale and the uh, rabbits he pulled out of his hat there. Um, added to the Birkdale performance, he's also got a pass top, another fourth and a ninth in the open. He's not missed a cut in quite a fair while and he's just playing really good golf. Um, and out of the top of the market, Apart from Ram, who's just too short a price for me, he's the one I like best. Um, I think um, I, I tussled a little bit between him and Brooks, but I'm going to go with Jordan Spieth just because I like Jordan Spieth. And the last one for me um, is Christian Bezerdenhout, um, who's hopefully going to be inspired by Louis Oosthuizen. Um, He's just absolutely electric around the greens. He chips and puts like not many I've seen who predominantly play on the, the European Tour um, his stats pretty much speak for themselves. They they speak of a golfer who is a lot should be a lot shorter than the ninety to one um, I took. Um, again, he missed his cut um, in his only performance at the Open so far, um, but he's just an elite putter and chipper, um, and he's not great off the tee. I can't can't lie and say he is, but he seems to keep turning up in big events. Um, again, another one who played quite well at the PGA Championship alongside um, Brandon Grace. There was a couple of South Africans, but I like Bazaden Hutt. Um, similar to to Higo, I hope he's one that's going to get across to the PGA Tour and really um, take hold over there. So at 90-1, to I'm going to give him a chance just for his electric round the green game. Um, And that's me out at six golfers. I could go on because I want to back everyone, but I won't. I'll pass it over to you, Craig. 
Okay, Matt. Yeah, I yeah I like that, Kristen Zadenhout. I, uh, I I really rate that guy's game, and I don't think Joel Damon's a bad shout either. I I looked at him for my fantasy team because uh, I needed a low low priced uh, guy to get in my salary cap, and uh, and and I'm still uh, I've I've submitted the team, but I can edit it, and I'm and I'm really um obsessing whether or not to to change him out with someone else, and I, and. Uh, yeah, I, I, I like Kristen Buzzaden Hope. Um as a, as you say, as a I think he's over the odds. I think you're right about that. And I think Joel Damon uh, as a as a as a rank outsider and as someone for value at place money, I think is good because like you said, he plays Windy Course as well. He's a he's kind of a he's a bit of a, a jokey kind of guy, like he's sort of an affable kind of character with this sort of floppy cricket hat and all that, but he's actually a, a bloody good golfer and um and I think um he could uh, definitely outrun his odds. Right. I am going to uh, give you my picks now. Uh, and you'd think that I come from Australia, the way I'm going to be picking, but I, I'm not, uh, you'd think I'm um, actually from Australia rather than New Zealand. Um, yeah. my, my, first, um, my first pick uh, is Mark Leishman. Uh, I like Mark Leishman because, as we've said before, uh, he's, um, he's got open form. He actually tied second at um, uh, he tied second at St Andrews in 2015 at the Open. So you know um, now, but the important thing about Mark Leishman is he comes from that uh, Victoria area. So he plays um, uh, Royal Melbourne. Uh, he's played that many times. That's a that's a really you know tricky sandy kind of course. So he's uh, he, he's sort of grown up playing tricky sandy linksy kind of courses um, as a young sort of Australian player. Uh, and I got him at 60 to one with star sports. I think um, I just, I just like Mark Leishman's game. Uh, I, I love him around the greens. Um, uh, he's an excellent chipper and putter. He hasn't had the, he hasn't had the greatest year this year, but I'm, I'm going to, he did win the Zurich challenge with Cam Smith, but um He's done. He's had some good uh, performances. While nothing stellar, apart from that, obviously that team's win. But I think he's got a game uh, for for this kind of course. And I think you know he's you know he's he's had good proven um, open form before. He um, sort of grew up playing this kind of golf. He knows how to play it. If the wind blows, he plays windy um, conditions really well. He's a notable um, wind player. And sixty to one <clears throat> for me feels really nice for Mark Leishman. I think he's been kind of forgotten about a little bit. Um, and uh, and my next pick is Cameron Smith, who is sixty six to one with Star Sports, and I think uh, that's great value for another guy who um, he hasn't got as good a, a open form. His best finish is a tied twentieth at Royal Portrush in two thousand and nineteen, the year that Shane Lowry won. So um, tied twenty is okay. Um, it's not great, but it's not bad. Uh, but once again, why, why have I picked Cam Smith? Because he has got an absolutely stellar putting game when it gets rolling, and um, and he's great around the greens. He's been in great form. He's very high up on the FedEx. Um, yeah, I think he's a sneaky. I think he's a sneaky for the FedEx Cup. A real rank outsider for the FedEx Cup. Um, at oh. Say rank outsider. I mean, I think he's good value for the FedEx Cup. Where he is actually placed at the moment, I think he's about 
I think he's fourth or fifth or somewhere on the FedEx Cup ranking. So he's that you know that speaks to the performances that he's been putting in all year long. Um, I I really look you know I he's another uh, as I say I, I I've always been a big proponent of Cam Smith. I make no bones about it. Uh, and I think at sixty six to one, um, he's he's great value here because if he gets away and gets the bounces and he gets the ball in the right position, if it comes to having to you know sink putts and 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 get chips close from off the green then i would i'd give my ball to cameron smith every single time and in, in in front of most players in this field and the only other player that i would give my ball to apart from cameron smith is patrick reed so i'm i'm with you on patrick reed i'm i've got he's my third bet um and uh, and I didn't get him as good odds as you, unfortunately i got him at 35 to 1 uh with star sports but i i'm He's a bit skinny for me, uh, which is uh, you know opposite for his. I, I he's not fat, Pat. I always call him Pat, Fat Pat. Um, he's not fat. He's chunky, isn't he? But um, and he's not. I mean, Jesus Christ. Um, uh, pot calling the kettle black. Me calling him fat. But um, he um, he's um, he's just got that sort of. Uh, he's got that kind of um, Ray Raymond Floyd kind of build. Um, uh, it was an old golfer back in the seventies and eighties back in the states. So he was a kind of a a big sort of sort of chunky player with sort of strong forearms and that sort of thing. And that, and he read reminds me of him. Um, I think um, you're every, exactly right. He, he just puts, you know, he puts extremely well. He chips extremely well. He balls. He's an extremely good ball striker. Um, he, he's, you know, he's got major form and, um, uh, and I think he's, I think he's been sort of, um, I wouldn't say he's been forgotten, but I but I, I see him as good value. So I'm with you once again. I'm as you can see the thread of my players. I'm looking for guys that get it done around the greens because I think that's where it's going to count here. If you maybe take your bad kick off a fairway and you get into some long stuff and you get it up near the green but not on the green and you have to scramble to get it down in two, the Leishman, Smith, Reed, these are the kind of guys that I think will save their car. Going to be about sometimes about card preservation rather than um than you know birdie birdie birdie. I don't think we're going to have a birdie fest here. I think this is going to be a, a tough old test. And I think across four days, I'm looking for guys that can shape shots in the wind that can that can uh, that can take a, a maybe a, a potentially fatal sort of situation and get out of it with a with a par or maybe a bogey at worst. And then also uh, maybe they've got a twenty foot for birdie. They 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 sink it for birdie. You know. So yeah. those are my three. Um, I've got two more to go, and I'm going a little bit down the other end of the table. I'm going to look for some odds here. My first one uh, for odds is Sam Burns. Now he's 110 to one with Star Sports. I like Sam Burns. For no other reason than I really love the way this guy putts. He he putts really well. He's he's got it. I think he's ranked. I don't. Last time I saw, he was um he was, he was ranked inside the top ten on putting. He hasn't played. I don't. I think he played. He played at the Open. And I'm not sure he's played too much more after that. But I I I I am big. I've always you know he's a he's a Cameron Davis kind of player for me. I was absolutely. You got him the week that he won. You called him and you picked him. And I was, I'll have to admit to you now, uh, I didn't tell you at the time, I was silently raging inside. I was fucking <laughs> seething that I didn't, that I got off him. I, it was kind of one of the reasons why I stayed on Cameron Smith. I said to myself, don't make the same mistake you made with Sam Burns when he went and won and Matt was on him and you weren't. That was, that, that I was apoplectic with myself about 
the fact that I got off him. And and I think that um, he's a he's a young talent in the game. Uh, could could it all go spectacularly wrong for Sam Burns here? Yep, it could go it could go really tits up here for him because he's a big driver of the ball. He, he'll send it into the next postcode if he gets the bad if he gets a bad kick, which he's going to do um, because it's Royal St George's and there's humps and hollows everywhere. Um, could he get into major trouble? Yep, he could, and it could all go very pear shaped for Sam very quickly. But at one hundred and ten to one. I'm going to take the punt that it, that he sort of gets around and, and hopefully gets away to a solid enough start. Uh, he chips and putts very well. Uh, and uh, and I just I see him as, I just think 110 to 1 for Sam Burns is, is great value, uh, especially with these bookies that are, as you say, if, you, if your bookie pays a bit more in extra places, that, that, that could be really good for him. Um, and uh, my final bet is, and I'm open to intervention on this myself, <laughs> um, is Bern Wiesberger. Um He's 125 to 1. Um, I have an addiction. I, ha- I admit it now. I'm addicted to Bern. Um, and uh, it's, a, it's, a sad, uh, it's a sad lot that uh, I make this uh, a, a, a admission on this show. I'm addicted to a small Austrian man who, um, <laughs> who can't putt. And, um, and, uh, and it's my cross to bear. And I'm sorry for that. And um, yep, I just admit it. I can't leave this guy alone because I think he's going to win one day. And uh, and he always wins. What is he now? He won again this year on the European Tour. So he's eight-time winner on the European Tour. Uh, he plays links course. He has played link course as well before. And I just thought, ah, oh, sod it. Oh, 125 to one. Um, why not? So um, my 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 rationale for Boone Wiesberg is I'm addicted, and why not? So there you go. Uh, far be it from me um, to dissuade you from putting up um, a three-figure shot who you back multiple times because it didn't work out so bad a couple of weeks ago, did it? So, no, yeah, no. So I'm uh, hoping that. Um, I'm, remember when uh, at the Masters when he hit the front uh, and I, and he was I got him at something like six hundred to one on the on the big yeah. fair exchange and uh, and you sent me through a thing uh, like uh, shit, you know, uh, this could be interesting yeah. and. You know, he's gone he, well at a couple of big prices, hasn't he? So, I mean, yeah, why yeah, not? yeah. He just he keeps on, uh, yeah, yeah. He, he, I don't know. It, look, it, it's probably a forlorn hope. And, uh, and anyone listening who uh, says, Oh, I, I, I back him, uh, yeah, I would, I would do, I'd be very careful with Boone Wiesberger. Um, <laughs> he comes with a he comes with a wealth warning. You do um, know he's going to win, though, don't you? Yeah, yeah. I just know that if I leave Maloney, will win. So, um, so I'm, yeah. So I'm, but as I say, my top ranking picks are a little bit more, a bit more sort of a high on their hopes than than Boone. So, um, yeah, that, those are my picks for for the week. Can we just now look at the top of the leaderboard and talk through a few of the names at the top there? Um, because obviously, as I say, some of them are just too short for us, and and we're looking for value. But let's just run through some of these guys. Um, John Rahm. I remember when John Rahm won the Irish Open uh, about two or three years ago, and he said, and he absolutely he, he lapped the field. He kicked their heads in, and uh, and he said, "I love playing Lynx golf. I love it." You know, he was a he's a real lover of of Lynx and and the game and all and and, and the format uh, and the layout. So, um, you know, but it, you couldn't. I mean, it, it, I've got him here on Star Sports at seventeen to two. I mean, just I couldn't have that. Um, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if he does very well here. What, what do you think, Matt? Yeah, I mean, he's in remarkable form, isn't he, John Rahm? Like you say, if he if he won, I think he probably should have won at the weekend. Um, didn't really kick on when he had the chance. 
But my issue with John Rahm isn't that I don't think he's an unbelievably good golfer and he's also got Spanish hands, hasn't he? Which helps yes. very much. Um, but my issue is the amount of money you have to stake for that to be a worthwhile bet at the Open. And yeah. I, to be honest, I'm not a rich man. I'm not going to put enough money down to make it worth my while back in John Rahm when you've got 120 players in the field and some of the best players in the world. Um, it's just not for me because it would have to be a win outright bet, and that's not my sort of bet at a short price. No, no, and so, and just and with the amount of um, swales and hollows and, and knolls and what have you here, it could kick off into anywhere. And 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 listening to what you said about what will it, you know, commented on the course. I mean, it could, you know, you, 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 Ram could just as easily, you know, walk off with a couple of you know sevens and eights, you know, on 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 a couple of holes, and uh, so you just you'd feel pretty sick if you put. 500 down on John Rahm and he and he went round and, and three over par in this first round, wouldn't you? you know? Yeah, exactly. And there's a lot more random chance comes into opens, doesn't it? Like you say, and you just get it's the the lie of the land, the bounce of the ball. And if you get it right, it's brilliant. If it doesn't, um, you don't. So I mean, he's yeah. welcome to win. I'd be really pleased for him, but he's had one this year. Let him give the rest of us. I I, I think so. Yeah. Now here's another name, and I listened to this guy uh, on the radio and sports uh, on the on the sports show I was listening to tonight. Uh, on his, he was interviewed uh, today. Rory McIlroy, he's twenty to one with Star Sports. That's good money for Rory McIlroy. And he said on about his form, he said, "I just found something. I've just found something the last week, and I was really, really happy with the way I was." He said something like, um, "Something the words to the effect of, he's thrilled with the way he was hitting it yesterday uh, on the practice range, and very happy with the way he hit it today on his practice round." And uh, he he's, he seemed to be very kind of up and high about something that he had un- unlocked, discovered, what have you. Um, it, it 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 sort of made me sit up and take notice. Um, it didn't make me do anything to put him in my bets, but I but I may it made me go, oh, okay, I've not heard Roy talk about that uh, that way before. Um, you know, in open. Um, what 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 do you feel about Rory, Matt? I. D- I, I had a conversation with someone on Twitter last week about his price because he was almost an identical price for the Scottish Open. Um, and I was asking why is he that price when he's going to be the same price off shorter this week? Um, I mean, you only have to look at his Open record. He did miss the cut last time out, but that was after he had a nightmare Thursday, if you remember rightly. I remember, yeah, oh, on his home then, tournament. That was all. He was, he was, he was in tears after he missed the cut, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah but then, and then he, but he actually played excellent and wasn't far away from making the cut on the Friday, if I remember mm, rightly. That's but, right. He came home with a wet sail on the Friday, but missed it by a, a shot, I think. Yeah, I think, he, and then you've got the four starts before that. He's come second, fourth, fifth, and first. So the man likes Lynx golf. Um, and I mean, he's an elite golfer, so that's not altogether surprising, but it's the best recent open form of anyone in the field. So I think he has a reasonable chance. What I do doubt about Rory, like you say, is that is that putter under pressure and just his game under pressure at the minute. It's been an awful long time since Rory won a major. Um, so yeah. I'm not convinced by him, not because the stats don't tell me to back him, because actually he's playing really well this year. Um, definitely his approach game has been in form. His putter has not, however, so... I, if it was five points longer, maybe. It... But at twenties, I'd much prefer um, Spieth at a couple of points short. Okay. Did you see that incident with him at the Scottish Open, where the guy came up and grabbed his club out of the bag? I I saw it on Twitter. I didn't watch it live yet. I did see yeah. it on Twitter. Yeah, I saw. It, I only saw it on Twitter as well. I thought that was. 
there was something about that that really concerned me, and it was about security. Like, if a guy can just stroll up to these guys, grab a slab out of the bag, and and stand up on the green uh, or stand up on the tee for a, a good thirty seconds, maybe a minute, uh, before anyone sort of came and, and and walked them off. That that I just just as an aside, I thought, wow, that's that's a worry because um you, you know uh, that that you know these guys are. It just showed me how exposed these guys are to uh, mm-hmm. a, a nutter. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it is a bit worrying. I think in some regard, and maybe I'm completely wrong, I think the European tour is a victim of its own social media success because Rory was looking around for a hidden camera when that happened. Yeah. And I think they've done so many pranks, if you will, and sort of yes, they have. like that for, which I think is great, actually. And I think it brings more people to the game and gets people interested in talking about it. But you could quite clearly see Ram looked at it, knew it was happening, and was just glancing around to see what else was going on. And yeah. Rory's immediate reaction wasn't to kick off or would be worried, I don't think. It was more just of a, a bit of confusion about what's going on, who's this, and what is he doing. Like, I don't think there was any real threat there. That said, there might have been, had it been a different intruder. But yeah, yeah. To, you know, and, yeah they started looking around. And then and after about 20 seconds, uh, Rory said, you know, uh, and Harry Diamond saw said, is, is there security? Can we get some security here? You know, it just... I mean, a lot can go wrong in twenty or thirty seconds, and uh, yeah. and it just it was it was it was kind of concerning, uh, as you say. Um, but I never thought of it like that. You are right. There has been a yeah. lot of that pranking and kind of like fun and and try, trying to make it sort of jovial and all that. And maybe they they thought it was something going down like that, but maybe. clearly it wasn't. And yeah. um, I wondered you know, whether it was maybe something to do with like the the lack of crowds as well. Because if it was at full capacity, there'd be much more stringent rules around where you can stand around the tee boxes and cordons and things like that. But because yeah. there was wasn't that many fans, whether it was maybe um, a, an oversight on the European Tours part, and they've just not worried so much about where fans should be, and sort of left that open to, oh, I'll just pop on the tee box. But I don't know about you, if I was gonna in, <laughs> intrude on any tee box, it probably wouldn't be one John Ram stood on. <laughs> I wouldn't fancy myself in that allocation. No, it was funny. Um, someone made the comment about uh, uh, if he'd done that when uh, Tiger Woods was caddy, Steve Williams uh, was uh, caddying. He said that guy wouldn't be walking for a couple of months, uh, you know. Be, uh, be, but uh, uh, you know, he was a t- sort of take no shit sort of caddy. But um, yeah. It, uh, anyway, uh, it was just an aside there, and I, I just thought yeah, I think I, I I would imagine that as a consequence of that, I think the European Tour will will get a bit more stringent on their security because all of a sudden their golfers looked very, very exposed at that stage. Um, but anyway, moving on. Um, okay, just a couple more names at the top of this leaderboard and then we'll wrap it up. Um, Bryson DeChambeau, 33-1 to 1, uh, with Star Sports. I saw him uh, make a, a, have a, 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 he had a bit of an aggressive kind of interview today with a member of the press who said, why don't you yell four? And he said, I do yell for, I yell at 90% of the time, you just don't hear me, but I do. And uh, and, he, and that's bullshit, because I've seen him clearly not yell for many, many times. Uh, he, you know, he needs to go, someone needs to show him, I've made the comment, someone needs to show him his footage, and then show him how to make percentages, because um, I've watched him on multiple occasions hit the ball out into the crowd and not yell for. It's a bit of a pet hate of mine. Um, so apart from his form itself, um uh, what what do you think of uh, of Bryson this weekend, uh, uh, and what do you think of that kind of um, that that thing of there seems to be a lack of some of these guys yelling for, which I just think is a common courtesy, don't you? 
I do. Um, as a Brighton truther, I have nothing to say about at this time. <laughs> um, no, I'm joking. Um, I think Bryson shouts four when he thinks that that won't get him. It won't get him an advantage to not shout four. I think yeah. he doesn't shout four when he thinks it's heading towards crowd and it might bounce off the crowd <laughs> favorably for him. Um, he's a weird interview sometimes. I really enjoy reading some of his transcript in- of interviews. I think they're they're interesting and they're different for the PGA Tour, but he doesn't help himself sometimes. I think a little bit of uh, just to be a bit more humble would help him a lot and actually just, just come across as honest because he knows he doesn't shout. It seems to be a bit of a fool's errand to claim that he does. Um, but yeah. I don't know. For those who who watch that interview without watching Bryson play a lot of golf, like we do, they might believe him and think the media are just trying to to cultivate an idea of him, um, whatever that is. Um, Bryson this week, I wanted to back him so badly, I didn't. Yeah, now I'm I want to pull you. I want to pull you up there. I want to pull you up there because you back. You really wanted to back him really badly at the Rocket Mortgages, and you and you were uh, you, uh, you 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 said to me. I really want to get on Bryson and go quite heavily on him. And I, yeah. and I bet you're glad you didn't because he had an absolute shocker. Yeah, and that's not that specifically didn't stop me. But I was looking at the numbers and if Bryson had, like, he'd come out in the models and actually he was hitting all the things that I wanted him to hit, I could look past some very scratchy open form um, and back him anyway just because I love Bryson DeChambeau. I can't yeah. explain why. But yeah. actually, he's not playing that well. No. Um, and the facet of his game that isn't especially isn't good at the minute is around the green game is chipping and I think he might get found out with that this week because it's going to be the one of the hardest chipping courses they'll play all year um, and he is nowhere near where he needs to be with his chipping but also neither of his irons no and- no which is unusual for Bryson isn't it you know his his irons have been fantastic uh, up until about uh, I think I made the point with you when we talked about this uh, at the Rocket. I said, I th- he just looks a bit lost to me at the moment, Bryson. And, and he still looks a bit lost to me. And then he fell out with his caddy, which you don't do the night before a tournament. And I I, I think he's just in... I think there's cycles with golfers. And, I, you know, the wheel goes up and the wheel goes down. I think his, I think his wheel's down at the moment. But I think, he'll, you know, there's no doubt he'll be back again. But And he could just as well make a fool to me and, and come storming out and, and win this easy this week. Yeah. But, you know, he could. Um, I think he's, he's held his game together this season through off the tee gaining strokes and his putter gaining strokes. I think it's fascinating that one of his his things that he said um, as like his opening statement in one of the interviews was, "This is the first time my distance has been brought to the links." And the fact he's focusing on his distance still, um, I think, is amazing because there's no guarantee that's going to gain him anything here. No, it's fascinating. No if he does just take the Kraken that he likes um, out and see where he ends up. Because there is a couple of calls here that he could murder if he hits a couple of good tee shots. He could also get himself in a lot of bother. But it's not a course where I think distance is a prerequisite for success. But I would love him to do that and just see where he ends up. Um, Like I say, I think he's about 99% chance he's going to miss the cut if he does that. But you never know. He might rip it apart. I would, I, I'm not going to back him, but I really hope he does, just to see the comparison of your your Kevin Streelmans and your that style of golfer compared to to Bryson. If he's going to go hell for leather and just go for it, mm. it will make fascinating viewing either way. Uh, uh, you know, I, I love watching the guy. I'm not I'm not a, I'm not a fan of his in terms of as strong as you are, but I do I do love watching the guy play. He's interesting. Um, all right, and then just the last last two or three names, and then we'll wrap it up. Um, Bryson's best friend, Brooks Kepka, um, Justin Thomas, and Dustin Johnson. Any of those three may, make you pause for thought this week, Matt? 
you're not going to mention your best friend Xander. Oh, actually, I was. <laughs> I've, uh, uh, my, I, I, sorry, that was my mistake. Xander Shofley, <laughs> my best friend. Um, yeah, my, my, my be- You notice he's missing off my picks this week. Which, I did. Which notice, gives him yeah. the green light to go and go and win. <laughs> yeah, he's going to end up lapping them, isn't he? Because you're not on. Um, <laughs> weight of money sometimes takes its toll on a player. Um, yeah. You know what I thought you can't back everyone, can you? Um, I thought lots no. about all of those golfers, particularly Dustin. Um, I don't know why. I've never. I backed Kepka when he won. I think it was Beth Page um, when he won the first one. Um, but I'm not a Kepka backer. I never really have been, and I think that's enough for me just to to not back him. And there's no real reason why. I think he's obviously a major player. I think the Open doesn't make out anywhere near as good for him, despite a couple of really good finishes as the PGA or the US Open do. Uh, but there's just enough to look past him. Dustin, if it blows, is a bit of a proposition and he was getting to a very backable price. But he's had a weird season, Dustin Johnson. Um, he's played excellently in parts. Um, obviously, this time last year, the playoffs, he was in rude health. He's been very inconsistent and I think it's just a bit of a different kettle of fish um, is the Open. And I think I was he's one that I thought about a lot, looked at the stats and in the end opted for Spieth um, just because I think his game works out a little bit better for for the track. Um, Thomas is an interesting one. I don't know what you think. I thought he, he played okay in, in Scotland. Yeah, he played okay. Yeah. He was better off the tee, um, which he struggled with. He's been sort of, like you say, up and down with his off the tee game. He was great at the players. Then he was no good after that. Um, it's enough doubt in my mind to not back him. Um, Justin Thomas, he's got some decent open form, hasn't he? He came 11th at Portrush, if I remember rightly. He's yeah. obviously really, really good round the greens and his approach player. We know what Justin Thomas's approach player is. Um, but there's that that very, very dodgy putter to think about as well as if he's going to have a good week off the tee or not. If it, if the one thing you know about Thomas, I, I just love this guy's attitude. He's just such a street fighter. And, and the minute that he, if he turns in the weekend, like Thursday, Friday, he gets around okay and he's, with any sort of shout towards the lead on the Saturday, you know that he's going to make a run because he's just he's that kind of player. So, um, yeah, I, I, I'm going to keep an eye on Justin Thomas as the weekend goes on and see sort of where he goes. Um, but, um, yeah, and Xander, what, what do you think about him? He, he, he did okay last week as well, didn't he? He did. He played very well last week. And he always plays very well at majors, doesn't he? But yeah, I've backed yeah. 20 feet now. I can't back Xander Shoffley as well. I'd become no, a caricature no. of um, uh, myself if I did that. Yeah, well, as I say, you can't even more. I just wanted to look at the top of that board and see, you know, uh, just have a, you know, had a chat about each one of those guys. I think that's kind of about it. I also just forgot to say as well at the top of the show, you, you said well done to me for... Um, for Cam Davis. Well done to you for Hank LeBoyder, um, Matt. That was a great shout. Um, he ran a place in the same tournament, didn't he? Yeah, almost won it, didn't he? I was excited for a little while. Um, I thought he had an excellent game. He was uh, 120. You got him at 125 to 1, didn't you? I did, yeah, 125. We got a nice yeah. player out of Hank. Yeah, well done. So, I mean, so you, you know, we did, we both had a great tournament there. I mean, I got the winner, but you got Hank. I mean, and, and, and he, I think he just... He just his, his putter sort of seized up on him just towards the end, didn't it? Um, yeah, it did. And to be honest, I, I made much more money out of that tournament than I should have because I did something I don't normally do. Um, I had a couple of doubts about Hank and he got to a ridiculously short price. Um, so I actually um, 
I laid him for a decent chunk, uh, just short of even money. I'm sorry, just north of even money. Um, yeah. Just before it all switched, and within seconds, he was about threes or fours. Um, so, yeah, I did very well out of that tournament. So oh, good, I was, good. I was absolutely yeah. fine. But, but he was a good shout at the start of the tournament at 125 to 1 because, uh, he, yeah, he played, I thought he played extremely well. And I had no idea about who that guy was, to be honest. So uh, I noticed that he played college golf with Daniel Berger and a, and a couple of other guys. So he's got, um, he's obviously um, a, a, bit, a bit of a name to look out for, I think. Yeah, he'll be about 30 to 1 this week for the Barbasol, probably. He was about 40. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I think that will do us for this evening. Um, good luck to uh, all the listeners. Um, thanks to our uh, sponsor, Star Sports, the gentleman's bookmaker. Thank you, um, Matt, once again um, for joining us. If you want to follow Matt, he is on Twitter on F-O-R-E underscore bet. Um, and you can follow his insights and his comments as, as, as the Open goes on. It starts... As you say, Matt, um, early doors on on Thursday morning. We'll have coverage. You know, we'll be able to, be able to enjoy coverage from about eight or nine in the morning, or maybe even earlier. I think so. Um, it'll, it'll be a wonderful watch. It's a great tournament, the Open Championship. It'll be the last major of the year. Um, so thanks for listening, everyone, um, and uh, good luck to all of you on your bets. Uh, good luck to you, Matt, and we'll talk on Tuesday and have a bit of a, a wash up and a review. Absolutely, enjoy the week, mate. Good luck with the bets. Let's hope we find another winner. Thanks, mate. Bye-bye. See you later. Bye.